you know, you wrote uh, for Ellen's first TV show and you were part of that uh, puppy love episode, right? The puppy, uh, puppy episode. Yeah. Puppy episode. Yeah. And that puppy was love is a whole different show I wrote. That's okay. <laughs> it was a pound puppy spinoff. Wasn't yeah. it? It was like a little cartoon that was kind of risque and yeah. For HBO yeah. and yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Dystopia tonight. Hello. Hello. I'm looking for my I'm looking for my magic. I don't know. I can't find it. I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> it's all sleight of hand we're doing tonight. So. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. How are you? I'm pretty good. Oh, I love that little uh the little uh fright night thing. Some guy the people they they are such good artists. Yeah. And they spend all this time on, on this stuff. And I and every time I look at it, I go, I'm I don't, I mean, I love the movie, but I mean, I watched it once. I was fine, but some of these people watch it a hundred times and and it's fine. I don't mind yeah. that they do. I think it's great. But I just go like, I, I don't think I could watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I think it's great. I loved working on the movie. Um, I'm probably the biggest Chris Sarandon fan in the world. Uh, yeah. After Dog Day Afternoon, I saw that and I really remember walking out of the theater thinking, okay, this guy... That guy is really that guy. They picked him up off the street somewhere who plays Leon. And yeah. when I met Chris, I was shaking. I was just shaking because I was such in awe of his work. And, um, and, and, and he was just so welcoming and so nice. And just, and we had two weeks of rehearsal before we even shot, you know, a, a, a second of that film and we sat down, we wrote biographies, you know, of, of, of our characters and all this stuff. And he was, he gave, you know, 200% and, and so did Roddy. And so it was one of the, it was my first film. So I was just, I was so uh, enamored of, well, everybody on the set. I mean, everybody on the set was great. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my, it's funny it. that you say people have seen it like a hundred times because uh, it's literally one of the classics that me and my friends watch, or I, I mean, I make sure we watch it every Halloween. One thing I always get from people every single time at the, at the conventions and stuff, what were you? And I go, oh. I don't know. Ask Tom. He wrote it. It's that, you know, so I usually uh, push it off to Tom. Uh, but you know, I, I think I was kind of the utility guy. I did whatever Tom needed me to do. And I, I always ask Tom, well, Tom, what was I? And, and he goes, uh, and he goes, uh, well, you were this and this, and he, it's different every time. So I think right. he just, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Yeah. Are you, are you still close with everybody? Do you still kind of like, you ever think about doing like a, um, like a get together, like a huge kind of like a thing for the movie? Cause it is a cult classic. We have done a lot of stuff. We, we do a lot of the conventions. Uh, obviously cool. we haven't done any in a long time. Right of uh, with with COVID, i know i know bill and uh, amanda go and do some because they both have you know a lot more acting credits than me so they've got about 150 uh pictures on their table of different things i've got maybe 20 pictures of fright night and house two and 
uh, you know, like Tales of the Crypt, but that they did tons of stuff, you know, married right. with children and all that. So I don't go as much as they do. And I'm kind of, I, it's always best for me when Chris is there, but mm -hmm. Chris isn't going out at all right now. He just said, I really, you know, I'm not interested in getting COVID. So yeah, uh, he's going to wait for a while longer. You said this was your first movie though. How did you wind up getting into it? Uh, you know, I was an actor at the time and I just went and auditioned. I had an audition. Uh, Jackie nice. Birch uh, sent me, actually Jackie Birch saw me. I was doing a play at a little tiny theater here in LA and she saw me. That's back when casting directors used to go see theater, which they, you know, they don't now. They don't go see little theater. They go see the big theater stuff. But right, right. Um, Jackie came to see it, and she called me in, and I read the paw. I read the lines I had, and it described the character. He was like this really big kind of hulking guy, and I thought, well, I'm I'm pretty tall, but I need to bulk up probably. So I, I wore about ten shirts under a you know, <laughs> so, and this was the middle of summer. So um, I had my shirts and I put uh, socks in my uh, in my shoes to give me a little more height. So I was probably like six six. Mm -hmm. And I went in and I I read I read the parts I had. And in Fright Night, there's the scene I read was the one with the Detective Lennox, and uh, um, and I kind of thought, well, you know, if somebody's trying to throw somebody off the trail, they're not going to be sinister. They're going to be like. Hey, yeah, 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 he's kind of weird, you know. So I thought, okay, I'll see what I can yeah. do. And I came up and I did all that stuff, like all that stuff mm -hmm. and everything. I just made it up <laughs> because I figured, you know, he's trying to make Charlie seem like an idiot or crazy. Right. So Tom loved it. I guess I, I, I can't remember if he was in the room. I think he was in the room, but um, yeah, they, they, Jackie said he loves you. And, you know, you're, you're the guy. And I was like, oh, my God. And then she said, yeah, but we got like a whole bunch of people to read. So, wow. you know, it was two months later. And every week I'd be thinking, well, I haven't heard from them. They probably don't want me anymore. So I called Jackie in a couple of weeks and said, oh, no, you're still. So finally they called me and said I got it. But I think it was probably because I added the comedy, which, which the yeah. movie ended up having a lot of comedy, which I didn't know because I, they didn't give me the whole script. So I didn't know what they right. were doing I love the comedy that was added into it though too. And as a comedy writer, do you do you like were you doing the writing at the time or were you doing more acting work? I was acting at the time. I didn't start writing until um uh gosh, I I was I had been doing some acting work and I kind of was thought, well, what a man what it could be a writer. My friend Bill Steinkellner, who was running Cheers at the time. Mm -hmm. And he said uh he said, "You know, you know uh, you do improv, so you can write. I said, well, really? He said, well, you're writing. You're writing when you do improv. That's what you do. You're writing in your yeah. in, on your feet. Do you have to turn off your like writer's brain when you're acting, when you get in the script, or do you ever feel like the impulse to be like, you know, it would be good here? <laughs> Another that's a really line, good question. You know? that's, that's a great question. Uh, yes, you do. You really do, because I've done productions before, uh, and I kind of want to go, well, but I mean, you know, if you get a good director too, you can also say, Hey, how about I try this? And most people that are, you know, confident in their abilities will say, yeah, let's give it a shot. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. But some people don't want to hear suggestions. They want to do, you want, they want you to do their lines the way they want them. Now, Tom was not like that at all. 
Nice. And uh, and on house two, I got to throw in a bunch of stuff too. I mean, Ethan was great. He he was wonderful. And even on Tales of the Crypt. So I would have been pretty lucky in that, but I've seen people who have wanted to, you know, add their thing and and it, it sometimes it doesn't go well. Right. Yeah. Tales of the Crypt was one of the first shows when I was younger that for some reason, I don't know, my parents just didn't give a shit, but I was allowed, like, I would stay up late and watch, and it would terrify, it would actually scare the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no idea why they let me watch this as a kid. <laughs> I would stay up late, and I don't know why I would even watch it, because it was like a self-torture, because I would just be dying to, like, yeah. but, I, but I think to this day, it gave, gave me, like, a strong appreciation for horror, because I love everything horror. Well, I got to do the Tales of Script. Uh, you know, we played uh, 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 Conjoined Twins. Yes. Uh, yes. Tim Stack and I. And Tim, Tim, I knew Tim. We were both in the Groundlings together. And oh, people wow. would always say, are you Tim Stack? And I'd say, no. No, I'm John Stark. <laughs> and and so Tim called me up because he had was going to have an audition for it. And he said, oh, you got to come in with me and do it. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So I, I went in with him and, you know, we got it. It was a lot of fun to do. But nice. we had to have our naked butts exposed and... <laughs> par for the course i mean you know that's course. just it was Hollywood. fine it was yeah. fine <laughs> john made me do it just to be on this podcast with him so i know and and maybe you'll do it for all of us in, during this hour you know i mean we, you know it's never it's always going to be a surprise i think at the end of it what's going to yeah. happen yeah it's the big reveal that everyone's been waiting for i'm sure <laughs> that's right that's right uh do you remember your first writing gig where you felt like you make like this is like real now you know what i mean well yeah i the first writing gig tracy i ever got was given to us by a guy named john paragon who was uh a groundling and he also nice. played Jombie the genie in uh peewee and he's uh he's gone now but wow he was working for a company as kind of the i don't know what he was doing there but he called us up and it was called i forget what the name of it was but we had to Right. It was a 15 minute thing. And it was this guy had a kid had a robot in his basement and cartoons played on the robot's head or something. And we got 500 bucks. So that was that was, you know, we each got 500 bucks. So we were it was non-union, obviously. But uh, and then we did this show called I don't remember the name of these two guys was like, remember Route 66? Yeah. That series. But these were two aliens. That that had a Corvette and they went across the country and had all these adventures, and and that and we wrote that and we that was a, a that got us into the writers guild. Nice. So wow. yeah, I mean you know you start out slow and you do what you have to do. Do you you know I mean I, I don't I always wonder if I'm being um, like over. Yeah, you are. Like, you really are being that. <laughs> You're really being that. I appreciate you saying that because yeah. that's what my brain is telling me all that's the time. That's okay. Anyways. Go ahead anyway. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, like, I, I feel like I'm overly nostalgic because I feel like, you know, what you just said about two aliens traveling, like, riding down Route 66 or whatever is one of the first things. I, I really feel like back in the, day, like, 80s, like, or whatever, there was, like, way more ambition for, like, weird TV shit that people just threw against the wall as opposed to the stuff that people are writing about now. Do you feel more stifled Well, it now? depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about network, Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, it, I don't even watch it. I, I don't think there's, I'm not saying there, there, that there aren't talented people on it. I think right. there are. I just think that the, you know, they can't do much because of the FCC. They're really restricted by a lot of things. Uh, and right. so yeah. I, I think network will be gone in a while because they're all doing streaming now. And, 
but no, I mean, if you go on, <clears throat> I have pretty much all the streaming services and Me too. there's some amazing stuff on there. Oh, there's exactly. Well, that's where I was kind of going. I always wonder, like, I mean, I understand that writers are, you know, we're all going to take whatever job we can get network wise. But I feel like if you're writing a show now, the goal would be to have the freedom to do it on a streaming platform as opposed to NB. Like, is it even worth it? Well, is it worth it to have a job? Yeah, but, a job, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I think, but but I, I think if you're if you really uh, like everything I write now, I would own uh, is for streaming. I, I have no desire sure. to write for network, you know. Right? Yeah, it's a shame. But I mean, yeah. you would think they would catch on and realize, like, hey, we're being left behind over here. It's a you know the networks are a very kind of you know in my opinion I don't know but I feel like they're kind of dinosaurs in a way and yeah the you know the new kids on the block are the are netflix and hulu and those and from what i understand i haven't done anything for them but they're really so much more ready to say hey do what you want uh make it creative make it interesting make it crazy yeah. uh <clears throat> so I, I think that's probably why they're exactly that yeah especially with comedians i feel like with com like com comics or you know or anybody from that kind of background i feel like they've really learned to trust because they've done so well you know what i mean when they're left yeah. to their own devices and just you just kind of trust the art form or whatever it is it where it works well also when i was doing according to jim we said hey can we do it in you know uh cinema format because they were all the kind of four by three mm -hmm. no 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 can't do that can't do that okay can we do it without a laugh track no 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 can't do it without a laugh track wow so that was just now they do it without a laugh track we were kind of on the cusp of that happening but we didn't quite get there sure yeah that's got to be did you ever feel pre like a fight like did you ever feel like a fight was worth it yeah with the networks no oh, absolutely i mean how I, often would you win them what did you think was it you well know? the only two i can really remember was on according to jim i wanted larry joe campbell mm -hmm. and the network did not want larry joe campbell really and they didn't and because they did they just didn't, didn't get him you know, but I knew he was really, he's a brilliant comic. I mean, absolutely. One of the funniest uh, physical comedians I've ever seen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was basically, we don't want him. And I said, well, and I, I said, well, if you don't want him, then I quit. Now, if you're going to say that, you better be ready because they may right. call bluff, but they right. didn't. And, and also on, uh, they didn't want Courtney Thorne Smith, you know, because wow. they said, well, you know, they said something about, and I'm paraphrasing that, well, she didn't seem like motherly enough. And I said, you know, I said, look, you got a guy named that's Jim Belushi. He's Ralph Cramden. Okay. He's the Ralph Cramden guy. Yeah. If you didn't have Alice, it, he, you'd be terrified for this, the woman in the house. Alice was ready to just, you know, she just go up to her, Ralph, you're an idiot. Yeah. You know, and she had no fear of him. And you don't want, you got to have a woman that can stand up to a guy like that and Courtney do it easily. And that's what made her great in it. Yeah. I thought it was a good dynamic between the two of them. And I really, I think that was like, I mean, I like Courtney Thorne Smith, but I, I think that was the first thing I saw her in where she was like, Oh, she really, really fits there. Like they played off each other perfectly well. She's a really good actress. And yeah. she was just, I mean, she was a joy to have on the set. I mean, the, the woman can knit a sweater mm -hmm. in a day. And she yeah, would just wow. sit there on the net and whenever she was like this, I was like, how do you get all that done? <laughs> <laughs> I think when I really, the first time I really like, cause, cause you know, I didn't watch when she was on, um, I guess I was too young anyway, but like, you know, the, Oh God, what was it? It wasn't, uh, it was, um, 
was it Party of Five? What was the what was the show that made her famous? It was like the teen kind oh, of. Oh, uh, uh, Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. Uh, the, the, that was it. The second one, whatever the second one was. Yeah, yeah. whatever the second, the different zip code or something. Uh, it was yeah, I don't know, but it was it was that I didn't really watch <laughs> Melrose it. Melrose Place, I believe. Melrose Place, thank you, Jesus. Oh, there Christ. it is, Melrose Place, thank Melrose you. Place. Look at a fan over here. Holy yeah. Shit, <laughs> I'll get you her autograph. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think I really, really kind of like learned to like respect her because I thought she handled it well. Was when she was on Conan with Norm, and he was giving her shit about doing that movie with Carrot Top. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I thought like, oh, she's a really good sport because she, she was is just a really good sport, taking it in stride, and uh, she was great. Yeah. Um, yep. But the other, the other thing too was on because uh, I know you know you wrote uh, for Ellen's first TV show, and you were part of that uh, Puppy Love episode, right? The puppy, uh, puppy episode, yeah. Puppy episode, yeah, and that puppy was, love I, is a whole different show. I wrote that's okay. <laughs> it was a pound puppy spinoff, wasn't yeah. it? It was like a little cartoon that was kind of risque and yeah, for HBO yeah. and yeah, it was nice. Yeah, we yeah, I wrote. I was one of the writers on the the puppy episode. That's cool, and that yeah. was but that was a fight too, wasn't it? Um, no, because Ellen wanted to do it. It but right. you know sometimes it was a fight. And the network actually, or the studio was Disney, and they gave some excellent notes. Oh, really? Uh, in fact, I think we kind of did a big rewrite on the second half of it uh, based on their notes, and they were really good notes. Um, it wasn't too much of a fight. It was just kind of, uh, you know, they, they'd have some issues, and, and then, you know, they'd call Tracy and I into them and go, we they go, blah, 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 blah. And we go, yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, we agree with that. I think that's a good idea. And they'd go, can you tell Ellen that? <laughs> no, can you tell Ellen? <laughs> well, that's my doorbell. Sorry. Um, sorry. Uh, I had the same one, like, so be... I was like, "Is it my house?" <laughs> <laughs> no. What sound? What noise? Yeah, <laughs> I don't hear anything. <laughs> What's that? Um, uh, uh, yeah, she was. Ellen was great. Ellen's hysterically funny. Yeah. And and she's what was brilliant about her is that she really could remember, you know, you do three or four rewrites a week mm -hmm. and every night on Friday nights we would do the show and she'd do the she'd do the final draft of what we had. And then she'd do the second take or third take of put all the stuff together that she liked from the other four days of shooting. It mm -hmm. was amazing to watch her. And I, I loved watching her. Yeah. One of the things that was cool that I just kind of noticed as I got older was rewatching those episodes or any of the other stuff that she did is you guys were um, just kind of really, really good at like she was a great oh, actress God because sakes. she seemed to <laughs> somebody order doorbell. Where is it coming from now? I don't even have my phone here. Now, I, now I heard it this time. I definitely heard it this time. I'm not going crazy. No, you're not. It's coming from inside the house, John. Yeah. <laughs> I love that this episode of Dystopia is actually turning into some kind of horror movie. We're yeah, like, exactly. We start talking about Ellen. It's her at the door. Like, oh, uh, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. Oh, God damn. Yeah, but I, like her, you guys wrote for her so well that it you, it very matched up very well with her stand up. Her personality on that show and the way she delivered the lines, very smooth and very much like. Uh, her stand-up. And I thought, when I was younger, I thought, you know, oh, it's all Ellen. And then you realize as you get older, like, oh, no, there's a team of people who know this woman and her work so well. 
it just it's a smooth transition that was it's a, it is it, it 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 takes it the thing i always say and i think a lot of writers don't agree with this i think it's 80 percent casting and 20 percent mm. writing i mean you can have yeah. a well-written show and you, if you don't have somebody you know if you don't have somebody uh damn it taking, <laughs> They're at the door. What are they? Who are they talking to? <laughs> what is, the trick or treaters are like a day late over there. <laughs> yeah, like, kids here aren't very smart. Kids in this neighborhood are, are not smart. <laughs> um, oh, that's fantastic. Um, uh, what was they talking? Eighty twenty. Eighty twenty. Yeah. Eighty twenty. I mean, you can have a great script mm-hmm. and a and a mediocre actor and it won't go at all. Right. I mean, I was watching Ted Lasso and I really liked the writing a lot. Me too. But I kept thinking if it wasn't Jason Sudeikis, I don't know if it would be as interesting. I completely agree. Do you know what I find? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was well, say, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Do no. you know what I find interesting is that you're a great writer and you, and I feel like it's almost like a marriage, right? Where we had uh, Dan Loria on, on another episode, on another episode. And he was saying, it's all about good writing. Like he's a good actor. He's like he's like if you have a great writer, he's like the acting's the easy part. So it's like you ever hear when they say in a marriage you should be willing to give ninety percent, get ten percent. So I feel like it's yeah. almost the same way with the writer and the actor. If they're a great writer and a great actor, they expect less from the other side and think they need to do more, and vice versa. Wait a minute, you get you guys get ten percent. I got to talk to my wife about this because I'm not even getting that much. <laughs> <laughs> is it do you find it easier to work with comedians because when i i mean i'm not um a fan not that i'm not a fan i took you know i did the whole thing where i took an acting course for a while and yeah. you know and um depending on who you talk to i'm either you know i think i'm crap but like i find it interesting too because if i've had again uh, a great script or a good script i felt way more comfortable reading those lines comedically but oh yeah then when I get a bad one, the comedy brain takes over and I feel like I'm just a hindrance because I keep wanting to change those lines. And I think that's my, I think that's a shitty acting thing. Cause I feel like a regular actor would go, all right, I got to work with what I got, but I feel like the comedy brain, t- do you ever find that? Difficult? You know, I, I think that, that good writing is extremely important, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't, but it's, you know, the audience isn't watching the writing. They're watching the the words come out of the actor's mouths. Yeah. So, and they don't care about the writing. I mean, how many, how many, you know, writers, do you want the autographs from? You know, right. <laughs> not many. Um, you know, it's right. like, you know, but I think that if it ultimately it comes out of the actor's mouth. So that's where it ends. And if it, if they can't get it right, it doesn't matter how good the writing is. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a fan of, you know, when we were at Disney, we were an overall deal there for a long time and they'd send us, they go to the Laugh Factory and, you videotape all these stand-ups and we just go mm. like, and they'd show it to us and you're like, Hey, what do you think of these? We'd be like, they're just doing stand-up. It's like, Hey, what about that traffic in LA? And, you know, and, and, and you just go, that's, I, I'm not, you, you know, if, if, if a script is well-written and funny, all you have to do is act it. That's yeah. all you have to do is just act. You don't have to be funny. Right. Yeah. You know, you say the line. Larry David's not trying to be funny. He's just being a character and just acting. Yep, and that's why it's funny because he's not like hitting the lines like but oh mm-hmm. yeah so uh, i agree I've, you I know mean, it's a relief when anybody whenever you read something that's just pitch perfect like i've gone i mean i've gone on auditions that i be, like 
where I love the script so much, you know what I mean? Just because of how fucking funny it is that I, you, you hope you get the role. And then I've gone on ones where I'm like, if I get this, I will end my own life right now. <laughs> <Where you're> like <laughs> yeah. as much as I need to work, this would depress the shit out of me right. to be on exactly. this thing for six months. Well, being on the, you know, being on the other end when I was working on the show, several shows, I'd be in there when the cat, when the people would come in, Oh wow! you know, to, to audition, which mm-hmm. was fascinating. Every actor should be there to watch that Yeah, because you can kind of watch them lose the part the moment they come in the door because you, you see their attitude and they get, you know, some people are like, Oh, okay. oh yeah. Or some people are way over the top, like, hey, you know, and you just go, don't. All you have to do is just be yourself, be nice, yep. be cool, and and read the lines. Don't try and make them funny because you know what? We've already tried that. <laughs> so don't, <laughs> try, don't don't try it again. That's solid just, advice. Just read the lines and and act it and 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 be be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I and again, it might be different for kid shows. Right. Um, <laughs> Not in the writing. The writing's excellent writing for kids shows. It's just that it's a different emphasis. You know, it is about jokes. Yeah. And, uh, but I never found, I never, I wrote on one kid show for, but, but I never really wrote on kids shows that much. Yeah. Um, And you can tell the, I mean, the difference in the, just the overall feeling of that kind of a show, you know what you're going into regardless. You know what I mean? Everything's like, even the, even the way it's shot, I think you're just like, oh, this is a different environment. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's, you know, I, I teach my former writing partner, I Tracy and I teach classes uh, from time to time on, usually we have uh, like 10 people or 12 people. They bring their first drafts mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And each week we go over the first draft and talk about what's necessary mm-hmm. in it and what's not working in it or what's working in it and how to rewrite it. And usually it's almost always the same thing. It's, what does the characters want? Who's the main character? Who's the, what's the drive of the character? What are you setting up at the beginning of the script that you're promising us that you're going to, going to uh, play out in the rest of the script? Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're writing a series, which everybody is, how are you showing us what the next 50 episodes are going to be? Right. You know, give us a, a clue of what we're going to be watching. Have you always, because I, you know, another thing I'm always curious about is most of the writing that I did was for, um, either individual comics and then comedians. One of them I wrote for a long time for on specific shows. So it was either a political show, had to write jokes for that or VH1 stuff or like whatever it is. Have you done any of the individual kind of writing gigs for people? And what's the difference between being in the writer's room, bouncing ideas off with somebody and maybe doing a single? Well, I've never written, you know, specifically for one person. I've, I was never a joke writer in that okay. sense, you know, but but being in a writer's room is really the most fun, you know, I've, I've ever had really, mm-hmm. because once you get going, everybody's funny and, you know, hopefully you'll be in a writer's room where nobody's competing. You're just kind yeah. of helping each other out mm-hmm. and you're enjoying each other's company and you're making each other laugh. I mean, to go to a job where you basically laugh, you know, for 12, 13 hours, that's yeah. a pretty good job. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, but, uh, I, we were, we were doing uh, on 9-11, we were supposed to uh, premiere Jim in about two, a week or two. Wow. And we were, you know, I woke up, my wife woke me up, I think it's 7.30 or something. Said so you got to come see the TV. And we had, we were supposed to go in to write that day because we were needed more scripts. And 
And it just at that time I was watching it, my, my non-writing producer, Suzanne Bikinick calls and says, um, you know, we, maybe we should cancel. I said, we can't, we cannot cancel. We have to do the day. We have to get some work done. So it was the strangest day. We, we would go in, we went in, we'd all watch the TV for 15, 20 minutes and just be like, tears coming down and then we'd be like okay back to work let's start pitching jokes wow. we pitch jokes for a couple hours and go back and watch for 15 minutes and do and we definitely knocked off early but we got the the work done yeah but it was really strange that's incredible i never thought you're the first person i've talked to who has talked about writing or having to go back to their job in that respect during that period i didn't realize it was that day i yeah. never thought about it like that yeah, I, I think a lot of people probably didn't go in, but we, like I said, we were going to premiere in a week or two and, and we just, we had to get stuff ready. There, at least we thought we were, they, they right. ended up moving it back. But was there a point where you guys had to discuss whether to address anything? No, we were, no, we were never going to address anything. It was not that kind of show. Sure. It was really just, Hey, you know, here's a, a, a guy and his, his family. But you know, the funny thing about according to Jim too, was like, I would get people uh, come up to me and go, man, it's like you got a camera in my house. And I go, like, I'd be thinking, I feel so bad for you because this guy is, this guy's nuts. This guy's right. crazy. Yeah. You know? um, but the interesting thing about Jim was when we met him, he said, I don't apologize. I never apologize. I'll never say I'm sorry. Wow. And I'm like, oh, great. Cause you know, every sitcom kind of has to end with the, the goofy husband going, I'm sorry. But yeah. what it made us do was come up with different ways of him apologizing that he didn't actually apologize, but, but it made it, it actually made us be more creative, which was, nice. was probably a help in the long run. Yeah. He's one of those dudes that I feel like you, you, um, familiarize yourself with really quickly. Yes. Is that yeah. I mean, I, for? no, he was easy to write for because we went over and met him and spent like a couple hours mm -hmm. at his house and I, I, when we left, I said to Tracy, I said, I can write for this guy. I'm a Midwestern dope. I can do this. <laughs> you know, I, I can definitely write that. I've got two kids. But, you know, the thing I saw him in, the thing, I, the thing that I loved him in was there's a movie with Minnie Driver. Yes. David uh, Return McCovey. to Me. Hmm? Return to Me. Yes. Bonnie Return Hunt to wrote me. it. Yes. Bonnie Hunt wrote it. And Bonnie and Jim play husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And the best scenes in that movie were the husband and wife scenes Yep, at home. And, you know, we tried at one point to get Bonnie to play the wife, but she wasn't, ah. she, she, she couldn't do it. Um, ah, what a bummer. Yeah. So, uh, but, but that was what made me understand. I could, I could, I haven't watched it. I have to watch it again, but that's what made me realize I can write this guy as a dad. He, he's really good at it. Yeah. Those whole, those scenes, that's one of, I, I love that movie. And I feel like that's one of those uh, kind of like, underground underrated movies that I always I'll recommend to people who like are looking for something kind of fun to watch with their family or whatever. Yeah. Because it's just perfect. It's great yeah, movie. it is. It is. It's really like a good Bonnie's show. an extremely funny writer. And oh, and, she's, uh, she's so funny. She's brilliant. I, yeah. She's one of those, she's another one of those people who like, literally, I feel like I've known her just from watching her. Like anytime she was in Jumanji when I was a kid, I was like, I know this woman, I have aunts, yeah. you yeah. know, or relatives or somebody that is just exactly familiar like that and then when she did her own tv show and even when she was a guest on other shows i was like yeah. oh, i i totally get this person yeah yeah he she was part of that whole group with jeff and jane machalski we talked about and and oh. uh and uh tim kazarinski and george went they all all those guys knew each other the improv oh. crews i feel like are so 
close. Is that mm-hmm. uh, is that an accurate portrayal of you of all those? I think all so. Those, yeah, I think so. If you've worked together on stage for a year or two, yeah, you're you're de- you either love somebody or hate them. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, do you think it's more of the because you guys are actually forced into a collaborative environment? Because I feel like stand-ups are close, but close in chunks of groups. Well, and then, yeah, stand-ups are more competitive. Right. I think really good improvisers are the opposite of competitive. They're they like, you've got to include other. everybody. You've got to say yes and all the time. You've got to be, yeah. you've got to play off the other person. You know, some people go, well, hey, why don't you do stand-up? I said, well, I, I think it's, Stand-ups are amazing, but it's I want to work with other people. Right. I don't want to do th- something on the stage by myself. I enjoy working off other people because I get to act with them. You know. Yeah, I loved doing improv when I like. I never did. I never took a direct improv class. I did uh, the first time I ever attempted to do stand-up. I took a comedy class, which I feel like you're never supposed to say, but I'm saying it. Uh, <laughs> so it's, people are like, you mean you didn't go blind into an open mic like a drunken idiot? No, I, I, I understood the classroom environment. So I, I wanted to go, you know, but it was, it was a blast, but we always, we did some improv in there to like kind of exercise those muscles. And I like doing it. I like being, um, spontaneous in the moment on stage. Sure. And then from kind of doing that and incorporating my own act in it, when I would do this club in Boston called improv Boston, they were just extremely friendly to standups. And they were also um, just extremely nice to me. So they would literally give me my own spot of time. And then they would invite me to do improv with them, mm-hmm. which I always l- appreciated. But my God, you guys, are, I have such respect because like there's such a tight unity there. You know what I mean? Like we're as generous as they are where they're like, hey, do you want to come and play with us? You're like, absolutely. That sounds like a fucking blast. Yeah. You d- like it- it's so crazy because you're like, my God, these people know each other so well. Mm-hmm. And I'm envious of that 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 community it is it's great i mean i get to do improv and oh by the way i was i wanted to also pitch this thing on december 4th and 5th i do a show called fake radio in portland we're doing it oh nice and what we do is we take old um radio scripts Mm -hmm. uh lux radio theater scripts and we do them and we dress up in in 40s clothes and we get get on a stage in front of an audience and we do the whole shows and but it the fun part is there's a lot of voice actors in it and a lot of improvisers. So we start off totally do the script and then we start going off the script oh. and it gets really wild and crazy and so funny. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, and I wish I was in the area. I'd and, love to uh, see that. Yeah. It's, it's something special to see. And, uh, this is the first one back we we've had since, uh, gosh, in the, since COVID hit since before COVID hit. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, if if you guys want to check it out, if anybody in Portland's there to check it out, so you just go yeah. to fake, fake radio website. I don't, I think it's just fake radio.com or fake radio dot something or other. And, um, and, and check it out and get some tickets. Come see it. It's so much fun. We're in Portland on the fourth and then we're kind of a little bit in town, a little bit outside of Portland on the fifth. Cool. So it's a, it's a blast. You guys will, you'll, you'll laugh. I yeah. I'll, I'll definitely plug that on my Instagram and stuff. I'll share yeah. whatever you want. That'd be cool. Great. Cool. I'm jealous now. I can't go out and see it. I'm not going to be in Portland then. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I love going to Portland. I get to get out of LA for a little bit. Yeah, Portland's yeah. nice. I mean, even for like, they got a good stand-up. Like, I feel like they've just got a good comedy area. They do, and they're just starting up too. I mean, they've they've been online. The one I, you know, my friend Deanna Oliver, who's a director of the Groundlings, she's directed a lot of shows there. And you know, once they started doing Zoom improv, I said, Deanna, what do you think about that? She goes, it's soul killing. <laughs> it, you know it, it really is because it you're is. watching people from here on up yep 
you know, when you watch people on a stage doing improv, they're moving around, they're relating to each other and their body movements and everything else. Mm -hmm. And you're not getting, there's no laughter. There's not, there's nothing. And improv actors, as you know, they, we feed off the laughter. So we kind of figure out where we're going by what the audience is enjoying, you know? So it's really hard. And I, I think I did one thing. And then I said, that's it. I'm, I'm not doing it anymore either. Cause I, I just, so I'm so thrilled to be back doing the um, Transformers show at the Fanatic Salon and, and the show at, uh, in Portland. I'm just thrilled to be back doing live shows. Yeah, man. I know what you mean. I'm starting to go back out on the road finally. And uh, soul killing is the best way to describe it to you. Cause I did zoom shows. I did a few, I tried to avoid them at all costs. Cause I thought this was, if, I thought if anything was going to push me out of standup, yeah. I'll take any shitty club owner over like a delayed laugh. Yeah. You know, or so I, I think I've told this a couple of times on the show, but the, uh, there was one time I was doing a zoom show and there was a husband and wife on a couch and the husband was clearly watching some kind of sporting event because there's no reason <laughs> to stand up angrily at any punchline. I'm <laughs> like, and I was like, and I think at one point I was like, I think he's watching something else. Isn't he? Man? He's like, yes, he is. He's watching. And I was like, I love that even in the it, it, like it's funny when you're out in a club and you can literally tell the spouse has dragged their husband along. Yeah, yeah. Show yeah. It. But when they're in their own home, <laughs> like it's it's just a whole different level. Oh, you know who else I'm doing the show in Portland with oh. is Mindy Sterling. Oh, you know, no Mindy, way. Yeah. Mindy, who's on the Goldbergs and yes. uh, played uh, uh, Dr. Evil's wife. And oh, she's yeah. just so funny. Yeah. She's brilliant. That's and fantastic. she's doing it so and we're both groundlings so we know each other i've known nice. mindy since the late 70s so uh, we know each other quite well and um she's just the best That's so awesome. it, it, don't come to see me come to see mindy <laughs> we will we'll come you know what now i'm coming out there all right all oh, right that's great is the is the improv stuff like during the COVID and and whatever like did you miss the writing more or the performing more you know what I mean like what what did you how did you well I, I mean I can write I can write at home by myself which but I but I mean do. like the writers room at atmosphere uh yeah oh yeah, mm, yeah. absolutely I missed them both I, I I mean I thought always thought it was a person who didn't need a lot of human kind of contact because yeah. I mean, when I go to a movie theater, when I first met my wife, I was like, we would go to a movie theater and I'd say, okay, if it's crowded, I'm just going to get up and leave and you can watch the rest <laughs> of the movie and I'll wait outside. And she was like, she was like, okay. Wow. Um, but I noticed in COVID, I thought I kind of am a guy who needs some kind of human contact. I miss Agreed. it a lot. And now that we're back doing improv, I think Jay and Harry and I and uh, Chris really appreciate it so much more than we did before yeah because it's so it's so great to be in front of an audience and just have fun and yeah. listen to the laughter absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't realize how much you miss it until you get back you know what's cool too is the uh i've done a few shows back out on the road or whatever and the audiences seem to be just fucking thrilled yeah that you're <laughs> even there to the point where you're like I don't think what I just said was that funny, but they seem really into it. You know what I mean? Like, they're so thrilled to be out of their house and seeing yeah. and, and seeing stuff. You know, it's still kind of funky with masks and everything, but that's okay. Yeah. That's really affected as long as you're together in the room and everything. That's, yeah. that's the most important thing. You know, it's funny. I haven't found, yeah, I, I feel like people are pretty chill with the masks. I mean, the, you know, there's obviously those news stories here or whatever, but like yeah. even as far as like taking photos, like I'm pretty strict with like 
Yeah, if they're good with masks, they don't care. They're just, I mean, we've all, I've, I've gotten a bunch of photos with people after shows and they, they're masked up and they're just happy to be there and they want to be there for an exciting event. Well, you know, I, I think, uh, certainly not to get political, but but I, you know, I've been pretty good about the masks and everything. I'm all my shots and my booster and everything. Same. But we all have to start living, learning how to live with the virus. Yes. Because it, it knows quite well how to live with us. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know, to shut—I mean, obviously—to shut down things and 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 just hide behind in our houses, it—it's just not—it doesn't make sense anymore. And I and I was the biggest booster for shots and staying yeah. away from people and everything. But now it's time, you know, we have to start getting out and you know, taking being really safe. Yeah. But getting out there. I completely agree with you, and it's like you know we're we're already fucked. We're already in the mess we're in. There's no going back in time and doing everything correct and perfect. Or it's not. This is just the way it is. But I agree. Like you have, just have to do it safely, and that's, that's yeah. That's it's not going to go away. It's no. not going to go away. And at some point, somebody told me this, and it made sense. It's at some point, we're all probably going to get it. Yeah. But just like the flu, if it's if it's like that, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. We'll be sick for a couple of days, and we'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. As long as again, I'm all for the same way, man. I like if people got their shots and whatever. Then I'm then I'm happy and I'm all for it and whatever. You know, if you get it, you get it, and then you at least don't wind up in the hospital. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought it would be fun to write a zombie movie now based on our pandemic where people are running around like zombies and the other people are going like, yeah, I don't think I want to get my shots. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, I'll, I'll take a cameo and I'll be a toe. Whatever you need, you man. I'm, I'm there for you. There you go. I don't, I don't care. I'm. You know what's crazy? I would love to. I love the genre of horror so much that I'm like, I keep, <laughs> probably not the best pitch, but I'm like, I'm a crappy enough act where I'm just like, just put me in a B movie. I'll be in a D movie. I just want to be, I just want to die in a horror movie just to say I'm in this horror movie. There's, there's one that we love that we had the director and one of the actresses on. Um, have you seen Velocipaster? I did see it. Oh Dude. my God. I did see it. I watched wow. it with my sister. Cause we hate, we, we, we love hate those kind of movies. Me too. Yes. yes. The scene where the, you actually see the dinosaurs in that. Oh my God. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen that movie, then mm-hmm. all of yeah. you, they're yeah. watching. Watch the movie; it is hysterical. Absolutely, man. I, I'm so glad you said that because Brendan Steer is the director and the writer, and um, what's the, um, what's this is one of the actresses that was in it. She played the uh, the hooker, I guess. Oh, the I, ball I, girl I, I, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and she was fantastic. We had them both on. Actually, oh, this is the nice. first episode. We had them both on because I found that movie during the pandemic, and I guess so did everybody else. And I loved how it didn't like he specifically wrote it to not take itself seriously. Yeah. And yeah. I think within the first five minutes when they couldn't afford the car explosion. So they just put on the screen. I saw CGI. that. Yes. That was amazing. Now, will you send me the link to that specific one? Oh, Cause I really want to watch that. Absolutely. And what he tells you in that is, is I won't spoil anything either, but it's so funny the way they worked it out and how they got, do you know, do you know the dude who played the, the, uh, the head priest was his dad. Yes, I noticed that in the oh, credits. I saw. Well, nice. I saw it was some relation. Yeah. Oh my God. Beautiful man. I'll send you that link. I'm oh, so glad do. you saw it. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. mean if it's if it's if it's one of those kind of movies, I'll watch it. I just me too. I I we enjoyed it. We were laughing our asses off. They're doing the second one, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to harass him to the point of like you can arrest me because I want something in it. I'm like, <laughs> put me in the dinosaur costume. I'll do whatever. I'll do, you know. <laughs> What oh happens? God. Oh, I not I a second one. That's amazing. I, I want to. I really would love to hear the plot for that. 
Can I tell? I think I know. Some, so I think the second one he told me, <laughs> I've been DMing with him. Uh, he told me it takes place in ancient Egypt. It starts out in the past. Oh, my gosh. So I'm just like, what, whatever the fuck that means. Dude. Well, we all know dinosaurs lived in ancient <laughs> Egypt. So makes sense. <laughs> it makes total sense. <laughs> I can't wait, dude. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I'm definitely going to be watching that one. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're coming to towards the end, and I just have, I have two questions that I ask every guest, so I'd love yeah. to uh, throw them at you. Um, first one is, if you can go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice that would help you today, what would it be? Don't be friends with Jay Kogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to send him that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he he gives me all kinds of shit on, on uh, when he texts me. So. <laughs> I'm sure you saw the intro to the show, right? Yeah. I don't know if you oh. got it. Okay. So we do that. I completely forgot that I clipped a part of Lisa Simpson and put him in there. And he goes, I love that you included Lisa Simpson. We are going to sue you now. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, can you? And he was like, no, it's fine. Yeah. That was great. Uh, and the second question is, uh, what had to end in your life, good or bad, um, that led you to where you are today? Wow. That is a good one. Um, I think the thing that had to end was me being afraid to leave Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, not, you know, I, I got a degree as a teacher mm-hmm. as a, and I thought this, this, you know, I don't like this. What am I going to do? Uh, I don't know what to do. Uh, but I'm, you know, I, there's a lot of people are, you know, well, yeah, you can be an actor. <laughs> That's a crazy thing to think about. Right. Um, but I think it was, I had to let go of what I knew and what, and embrace what I didn't know. Wow. Nice. And do you feel like that took you a long time to do, or did you, did you, did you turn that corner pretty quickly? No, I, I took me, I mean, I was in San Francisco for two years and then I came down to LA. I probably, I mean, I'm sure it took me 10 years before I was, I mean, I was making money doing ADR work and looping work, stuff like that. Cool. Um, but I, I didn't know I was, I didn't get a, my first acting job for a long time. Wow. But I liked the lifestyle and I was doing improv for many of those years and doing theater and stuff. So I was happy. I was making enough money to live. Nice. I feel like no matter who I've talked to, whatever career they've chosen in entertainment, they always people always wish they start younger. And I do too. I mean, you know, I started when I was 20, but I always go, if I'd started when I was 17, I bet you I would, you know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah, I think I came to LA when I was 25 and I didn't start writing till I was 38. Wow. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it, everybody has their own timeline. And y- when you start putting that pressure on yourself and say, oh, I got to get it by this and this time, I always tell people, why? I mean, you know, you're yeah. not, you're not, you know, you, you, I mean, it's, it's how old you are. It's how old you think you are really more than how old you are. And just hang in there and, and do what you love and, and don't worry about your age so much. Agreed, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast, man. I seriously, I'm I'm really glad you guys asked me. I I you know I I asked Jay. I said, "Hey, are these guys cool?" He's like, "I had a great time with them." So that was all I needed to hear. That makes me so happy. I'm glad we had a great time with Jay too. He was yeah. a blast. Oh, Jay's so funny. He's so and we got to meet his extremely uh, racist dog. He told us so that was <laughs> nice and unexpected. Yeah, I haven't. I have not heard that story, but I'm going to ask him about that. Oh, he, he says the dog just hates Jews. So that was. Uh... Well, that must be comfortable. 
Oh my god. You gotta come back on with us, man. We'll talk to you after um like the Portland gig and stuff. And if you want I'd to love on. to. Yeah, anytime you guys want to. I'm I'm around. Awesome. Thanks Absolutely. so much, dude. All right. Such a pleasure. So nice to yeah. meet you. Likewise. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Take care. Thanks again. Bye. Dystopia tonight.